to every horror movie on netflix the show where we watch review discuss and talk about every horror movie on netflix from a to z as always i'm chris back again with patrick hello and steven 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 oh no what happened to him he's not here fuck uh it's just me and patrick today uh steven is lucky enough to have the week off. He's off on vacation somewhere, doing something fun. Two cabin fevers, I guess, was enough for him. Don't you worry, though. He'll be back next time. For today, it's just me and Patrick all alone. All our guests told us to fuck off <laughs> when we called them. and uh, They were sick of our shit. They didn't want to watch another cabin fever either. And So it's just us, a very intimate conversation today. We've got some candles in the room, a little Barry White on in the background. It's like Terry Gross. It's like fresh air. <laughs> so tell me about your childhood, Chris. Oh, man. Love love fresh air. But the movie is Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. Which is Spring Spring Fever is a is a figure of speech, right? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's how is it used? Um, I feel like they're trying to make a play on words, but I, I didn't really you know that's a good question i don't really know what spring fever actually refers to like i know it's a thing people say but i just what does that mean i don't know Maybe i mean I'll... it's it's especially puzzling in the context of this film because i mean I, I guess the film does take place in spring because it's prom time at school but uh, i don't know it's it's just like the only wordplay they could come up with on the on the word fever so I, they I went was with it very charitable i gave them the benefit of the doubt and said that spring fever actually refers to like the spring water in the bottles perhaps oh wow in addition yeah layers them. yeah layers. layers spring fever is actually a term it describes a feeling of restlessness and excitement felt at the beginning of spring oh okay so, well yeah fine good enough close yeah. enough sure um so this movie is Directed by Ty West, as I said last episode, one of my favorites, or one of my most more one of the directors I'm more interested in. Have you ever seen any of his shit before? Yeah, yeah, I've seen House of the Devil, and actually, I don't think I've seen Innkeepers, but I mean, yeah, he's considered sort of one of the modern, you know, young gun horror auteur kind of dudes. I'm sure I, Stephen would have a lot to say about him if he was here. Stephen's not very long on on him, I don't think. Yeah, he's not a big fan. I haven't seen his two most recent movies, actually. He did... Um, oh, yeah. He did, like, a Western. Yeah, he did The Sacrament, yeah. which was, like, a Jonestown thing, which was on Netflix for a long time. It might still be on Netflix, mm. but I, I meant to watch it, and I just never cared to. Mm -hmm. And he did In the Valley of Violence, which was oh. a Western that I think had Ethan Hawke in it and a couple other And cool some dudes. found footage thing I think he's done since The Innkeepers as well when I was looking him up the other night. Oh. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, he's he's very, like, he knows his shit. He knows the history of horror, especially with, like, House of the Devil. It's very throwback. He has a super, like, 70s, 80s kind of vibe. You know, he's got, there's artistry to this guy. I feel like Ty West is the director Eli Roth wishes he could be. Huh, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely has a sense of humor, but it's not over the top. 
he has a steady hand as a director. He's a mature type of director normally. He's also a MMA fan. I know this from his Twitter. I used oh, yeah. to read his Twitter all the time, and then the other day I said, "Oh, Ty West has been quiet lately." I guess he deleted Twitter. Hmm. Which MMA being mixed martial arts for those who are not fans of the squared circle. Well, that's because he is would. That what they call it? I don't know anything about this either. I only know this term from hearing you say it. The squared circle. Isn't that what they call it? The, the octagon. Isn't what squared circle? That's a thing, isn't is it? it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it's, I guess you would know, but if it's not a thing, oh yeah, I, I haven't heard that before. But yeah, I guess that's a what people call a boxing ring or a wrestling a wrestling I ring. I have no idea how I know that. Anymore. Yeah, a little esoteric for me, yeah. but hmm. but good for you. Anyways, Ty West but yeah, loves he, the MMA. He used to, well, he he used to only tweet about you know his movies and horror movies, and then like whatever UFC event was happening on a given night, like mm-hmm. he would just like live tweet it. And now he's off Twitter, so I hope mm. he's okay. Mm. But we should all get off Twitter. Yeah. But hey, except for you out there and listening to us, you should follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Go on Twitter, but only follow us. Yeah. Send us a little tweet. Leave us an iTunes review. Check us out on Facebook. Don't troll us, though. Tag us on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but he, he kind of only, he wanted his name taken off this movie because I guess the production was a clusterfuck. Yeah, and I mean, I am just, I would be really curious to see what the original script was for this film, or sort of just what Ty West's vision for this film was, because it feels like a very specific vision. It doesn't feel like a movie where a director had a vision and then the studio cut it to be something else. This feels like a very complete vision of a film, you know? This, I'm just curious what exactly made him go, oh yeah, I don't want to be associated with this. You know, because make no mistake, it's a garbage movie that I would not want my name associated with. <laughs> but I, I just I don't know how you can make this movie and then all of a sudden go, oh, this is not what I intended. You know, I don't know. Maybe it was just kind of a purity thing where maybe some I mean, I, I think it's clear from watching the movie that some corners were cut, which I guess we can get into in a little bit. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, you think, <laughs> you know, and they, whether that was his fault or not. But maybe I mean, some directors want their name because I was reading about this, uh, you know, Alan Smithy pseudonym that yeah. directors use on a movie credit. Which Ty West was denied for this yeah, film. Yeah, I guess it's a union thing or whatever, but I guess any director has the right to take their name off a movie if they feel it wasn't in their control or something well yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should explain this slightly for those who don't know. Like, I mean, any if you ever see the name Alan Smithy on a movie, for I, I, th- I don't know if it's just director or if there are other uh, roles on the, on the crew who could be credited as Alan Smithy, but if you see that, it means that the director didn't want to be associated with the film and so is credited by this pseudonym i just thought there was like a prolific 90 year old guy who makes shitty movies consistently (laughs) alan smithy he's just been cranking them out since the beginning of cinema but if if you're interested you can go on wikipedia and see all the movies that have been credited to alan smithy and uh uh, did you do that yeah how many are there there's gonna be a lot there's uh, quite a few but then what's interesting is some directors like michael mann for example the TV versions of some of his movies are credited to Alan Smithy. Uh, kind of just for purity reasons. Yeah. You know? He's like, it's not heat unless Wayne Grow is killing people and saying fuck a lot. Uh, so you're so. saying that maybe they like watered down Ty West's vision for this film somewhat. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just a matter of they ran out of money and they had to open and close the movie with a cartoon. And he was like, well, that's not my movie. Uh Take my yeah. name off it. I mean, it's hard to imagine that that could be the case for a film in which we see a close-up shot of a dick ejaculating both semen and blood. 
but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's curious. I would love to. I feel like this needs to be our first interview. I want to get Ty West on the show to talk about Cabin Fever too. I just want to get the insider story of how this all. Went if down. only I knew how to how to tweet him now. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. This is like his Piranha 2, or what was Cameron's first film? Piranha 2 or 3? James Cameron's first film was Piranha 2, The Spawning. Yeah. And that was, he was kind of brought in like, I I think he was brought in like halfway through the production on that. Yeah. But yeah, it's not really considered a James Cameron film for that reason. Yeah. Like this is clearly Ty West's Piranha 2, The Spawning. Like he was, he was a young director, clearly got some work for hire and... But I think, how does James Cameron feel about Piranha 2, The Spawning? Is he proud of it? I don't know if he's ever talked about it. Oh, okay. Other than it inspired the Terminator, because while he was filming Piranha 2, he got food poisoning and had a nightmare about a Terminator. Oh, right. And wrote a script about it. So he's probably really proud of it. Yeah. Anyway, so the concept of this movie, I don't know if you listened to our last episode or not, but you should go back and, and catch yourself up on Cabin Fever. A little bit. Because it's way more entertaining than watching either Cabin Fever well, movie. you speak for yourself. I will. But um, basically the premise is that the disease that was in the water that was fucking up everybody in Cabin Fever has been bottled for sale and has made its way on a truck to some town and a it's been delivered to a high school. Just, <laughs> we should clarify this, though. It is the town that the cabin is in. Is it? I think so, because that's where because well, Deputy Winston is still a deputy there. It's got to be close, yeah. So I mean, this is I mean one of numerous things about this movie that confound me. So there is this truck that has the bottled water on it. So theoretically, in this town, there is a bottled water company that processes and bottles the water from the lake that's in the same town, and then resells that water to the people in the same town. Well, it's better than what the fuck Nestle is doing <laughs> in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, this is like a whole separate conspiracy theory movie right here. Like, I want to see a, a movie where, like, fucking John Travolta litigates against this company for uh, price gouging the people of this town for the water from their own lake. I mean, it's yeah, it's, at least they're not selling it to third world countries or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the water somehow gets only delivered to and concentrated in this high school at least for the purposes of this movie yeah Yeah. like we don't we're not aware of the water having spread anywhere else it's just a huge fucking truckload has just been delivered specifically to the high school right and as patrick mentioned deputy winston who was one of the more um what's a good adjective memorable memorable characters from the first movie he returns and his musical theme returns his musical theme returns and uh, Ryder Strong from the first movie <laughs> also returns and has top billing in this movie. Oh, does he? Yeah. Wow. So I'm like, oh, wow, they got Ryder Strong to come back from uh-huh. Cabin Fever 2. And I think this was made, what, like five years or something, four or five years after they made Cabin Fever 1. Hmm. And it starts off exactly where we left him, which I yeah. love movies. I love sequels that begin exactly where the last movie ends. I kind of like that, too, yeah. It's always fun. So we yeah. see him like floating face down, presumably dead, in the water, half rotted away. But he wakes up. He's fine. And he, well, he's not fine. He's still fucked. And then he <laughs> he crawls through the woods. He's more fucked. And he's more fucked than we saw him last. He summarily gets hit by a bus. Yeah. And explodes. He's gone in the first two minutes. Yeah. And that's Ryder Strong. With which this movie 
immediately establishes quite a different tone from Cabin Fever, and I would argue an even sillier and more juvenile tone than the original Cabin Fever, which almost seems hard to accomplish. Absolutely, and I liked it. I was with it. I was with it in that moment. The The bus smashes right into him, huge fucking spray of blood and guts, big sort of, from what I remember, cartoony kind of a retro looking title uh, card. Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever title card. And I was like... Okay, this feels very different, but I okay, I'm I'm there for it's it. It's subverting your expectations a little bit. Yeah. He's been leaving like shreds of flesh on like sticks oh, that he's I as he's it. like bumbling through the woods, like his flesh is tearing away and he's leaving chunks of it on the plants, which was really gross. I don't know if it was deliberate, but that reminded me of a B horror movie that I've seen on TV called The Incredible Melting Man, mm. which is it's a movie that was uh, shot is like in the fifties or sixties or something. And uh, I think it's a sixties movie and it was shot to be kind of a horror comedy, much in the line of cabin fever in mm. the 1960s about an astronaut who gets exposed to radiation. And as soon as he comes back to earth, he just starts like turning into goop nice. and becomes murderous. And then the producers decided after the fact to change it into like what they thought was a serious sci-fi movie. So mm. it kind of, it's, it's, kind of a mess of a movie but there's plenty mm-hmm. of scenes of the melting man like on the run from the law in the woods and he's just like leaving trails of stuff on the grass <laughs> and the trees and at one point they're like people who are chasing him find like just a detached ear stuck to a tree nice and so nice. i don't know it, it, it's extremely similar to the opening of this movie i don't know if it's deliberate or not well immediately after he gets pasted by the bus i just need to introduce what you know, I know this is an uncomfortable discussion topic for you sometimes, but it's crucial to this movie because this movie has a fascination with cum and cum-like substances. Immediately after he gets pasted by the bus, all the kids are looking out the back window of the bus and some girl like pukes on the back window of the bus. And the puke looks like cum. It doesn't look like puke. It's like this sort of... It's not water. It's not like traditional puke, but it's just a milky-looking liquid that she spits up. And there is so much... Like literal cum and things that look like cum in this movie. It's really strange. Yeah, this this is a movie where there's at least I mean, if you want to call it cum, you can call it cum. If you want to call it puss, you can call it puss. Puss. <laughs> puss. Puss. If you want to call it puss, you can call it Not puss. like puss in boots. <laughs> I don't you know, I read about it more than I talk about uh, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. For some reason my family had kind of an obsession with puss when I was growing up, so I heard the word puss a lot doesn't surprise me yeah it was it was strange yeah but yeah this is this is a movie that really uh you know they put a third of their budget into blood and they put a third of their budget into all kinds of other bodily fluids yeah i mean i guess that's fair it could be pus i mean who knows it's it it could be vomit it's a it's a rorschach blot for your mind pus to me is more like a solid creamy white color though it's not opaque like the liquid that we see repeatedly in this film well there's all yeah there's there's a lot going on yeah so it's a movie that sets its tone very early and then the it, the premise of the movie is basically there's just a high school and there's some high school kids and prom's coming up and some of them are going to go to prom some of them aren't going to go to prom and uh the outbreak is imminent and all of them are terrible all the kids at the high school are fucking assholes like i hated every character really? in this movie basically you thought the main guy was an asshole who are we referring to as the main guy? The fat kid? No, no, no. The, the like the the supposed protagonist. He was an asshole too. The fat kid's friend. Yeah. Who was like in love with the girl? Yeah. 
Oh, God, are you serious? Yes. Ah, he was awful. He was an asshole? Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into it as we get a little further into the film here. I mean, he says some fucking disgusting ass, just entitled misogynist shit. Well, I think I know what you're talking about. We'll we'll get into it. I I, I mean, we can we can get I didn't into think it. They now. were terrible. Um, but I mean, that's that's there's not a lot of premise to this movie. No. But the big difference for me between this movie and the previous Cabin Fever is this movie has found a tone and it sticks with it through the whole movie, and it's just batshit comedy, gross out comedy, kind of for the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, there aren't characters so much as there are just like bodies to be corrupted by the cabin fever virus yeah and there aren't scenes as much as there's like comedy sketches that are kind of disconnected from each Mm, other that's a really good way to describe it actually because that's totally true yeah it's kind of just a series it reminded me a lot of like the tim and eric movie or something like that i actually haven't seen the movie well the show yeah you can imagine see what you're saying though yeah it 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 felt kind of like a tim and eric thing or or where it's just kind of found this really goofball everything's a non sequitur in this movie hmm. and i kind of like that I, I i laughed a lot and i was really yeah no i mean i'm not proud that i laughed a lot wow it's all low low brow humor yeah uh but some of it i thought was very funny some of the situational kind of comedy i thought was very funny there were a lot of sight gags that i thought were funny sometimes because they were just funny and sometimes because they were just outrageously sick and gross deliberately so but I never felt like, whereas the first game of Fever had a dumb, had, would, would throw dumb jokes at you and like expect you to laugh with them. This movie, like, it was knowingly dumb, and it, I felt like included in on the joke more than I felt in the first Kevin Fever. Mm, see, I, I like when you compare it to Tim and Eric. You know, Tim and Eric are so uh, self-aware and so ironic with what they're doing. They're such just an absurdist. Just a really well-attuned, absurdist sense to it. And this didn't feel self-aware to me. I mean, I guess it felt self-aware in that, like, uh, yeah, bro, like, watch this girl who's got the cabin fever virus suck this guy's dick, and she's got a cold sore on her lip. <laughs> That's gross, right, bro? It had this very, like, like sophomoric, American pie-ish sort of sense of humor to me. I agree, know? but I I thought it was self-aware. And it, it could just be my reading of it versus your reading of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I totally see where of you're course. coming from, but I, I thought it was self-aware. Maybe I'm just giving it too much credit. I mean, it was self-aware, but I, I guess not in a sense that... Um, I guess I just keep going back to Tim and Eric as sort of a, a guidepost to explain what I'm trying to verbalize here. But I mean, Tim and Eric are usually parodying something with one of their skits, or I assume the movie, which I haven't seen. This movie doesn't feel like it's parodying something to me. You know, it doesn't feel like it's commenting on anything. It just feels like it exists just to be gross, basically. Well, I I, I don't know if I totally agree with your description of Tim and Eric, but we don't have to get into all that. But it it's... I don't know. It's really hard to articulate why I thought it was funny and why I connected with the humor. Give me like what? Is, give me an example of something you laughed at in it, like genuinely, an example or something of, maybe that you still think is funny. Like you said, like you, it sounded like you were sort of like uh, it wrung a few laughs out of you that you didn't really, that you weren't thrilled about. Oh but, yeah, like, it, there were some sick, depraved jokes that I am not proud. I just guffawed at. Okay, what's a laugh did. that you feel proud? Um, of? A laugh that I, I, where I just thought it was funny was um. So there's a scene where our friend Officer Winston goes to the like water pumps 
office and he's looking for evidence on on the thing. He's basically uncovering that the water is contaminated and that all got shipped to the school and it's going to be an emergency and he's got to do something about it. And there's like just the night watchman there who doesn't really give a fuck. And oh yeah, Judah Friedlander, I think. Yeah. yeah, and then like the the basically the the government rolls in or whatever. Like these like government like the government cleanup crew rolls in, and Officer Winston's like, "I gotta get the fuck out of here, man. You tell him this. You're gonna be a fucking hero, man." And the guy opens the door, and he, he's like, "The water's fucked up," and he just gets lit up by bullets. Like they're just like <laughs> just an assassination squad. Yeah, I mean that's fine. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. At, at that point, I had just I don't know this movie lost so much goodwill so early on. I mean, even just with the first conversation between these two friends, the ostensible protagonist, who I guess, you know, classic case of we should look up these guys' names so that we can refer to them by name. I don't care what his name is, but I did, I, the actor has actually been in some shit. Has he? Yeah, he was in Looper. Mm. Uh, he was in uh, Brick. I don't remember Brick, mm. but he's been in some Ryan Johnson so Ryan movies because he looked yeah. real familiar to me and I, and I just saw Looper recently. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, just the first conversation between him and and his super obnoxious friend walking through the hallways of the high school was just so off-putting to me. Like, the fat friend, I, I hate calling him that right now, but I guess we're not going to look up his name. All right, we'll look up um, his name we'll just so you don't have to say, so the, have fat to say the fat friend. I don't want to fat shame him, but that's the easiest way to d- describe him other, other than just, like, the obnoxious friend. But they're, like, walking past um, some girls in the hallway, and the fat friend whose name we're about to find alex out. is his name. alex there we go alex says something along the lines of look at these fucking savages in like reference to the girls they're walking by and i was just like oh god i hate this character and his friend by extension so much already just the first scene just murdered any like possible goodwill i might have held towards those characters yeah, I, I I see what you're saying because yeah, they do have a long conversation in a hallway that's full of kind of like uh, you know gross uh, misogyny, but I didn't get the sense that the movie necessarily condoned it just as much as it was like these are high school boys. Ugh, you but, know, it's kind of it's just but kinda, the women in the film are also terrible. Well, yeah, it's all kind of a cliche. Like and, the portrayal of women lives up exactly to the male character's description of women. Like clearly, the male characters are a mouthpiece for the male writer, which Ty West didn't I write this. I don't think. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're if you're trying to be socially responsible, don't watch Cabin Fever Two, Spring Fever. I mean, we're getting to some shit. Like, there's some fucked up shit there's with women in this up movie. Shit with women in this movie. So much. Uh, Screenplay by Joshua Malkin. What else there's, has he done? Anything? I, he does not have a Wikipedia page. I cannot click on his his name does right he have now. IMDb. Yeah, that's a good question. Anyway, we got John and Alex. Those are our main John and Alex there we main go. people. And then John's love interest is Cassie. Uh, Actually, I liked Cassie. Yeah, Cassie Cassie's was fine. fine. Maybe the only character I did like. And also, Winston wears fucking thin in this movie. Like, very much proves why a little Winston goes a long way. Like, Winston was great as a supporting character, kind of a little weirdo on the periphery of the original Cabin Fever. But when he becomes uh, basically kind of a main character in this film... He wears yeah. then really fucking. It's kind of like the Lego Batman movie, huh? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Where it's like Lego Batman's in the first Lego movie, and you can't get enough, and then they make <laughs> yeah. a whole movie with Lego Batman, and you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was, uh, it was, this was fun, but I didn't need a whole movie's worth. <laughs> but you know, whatever. It's a, it's, 
I don't know. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny movie. Yeah. I thought this movie worked for me as a gross and reprehensible comedy movie, and I think that's exactly what they were going for. So would you cue it, viewers? We're not there yet, I don't think. (laughs) But um, this might not be important, but the the first hallway scene that we're talking about between John and Alex um, when they're talking about women was my first indication that like the production of this movie was like very unusual because it's basically one long scene where they're walking down a hallway mm-hmm. and the camera angle keeps switching between th- them facing the camera and them walking away from the camera. Oh yeah. And they're talking basic cinematography is don't break the 180 degree rule. Yeah. So if two people are having a conversation, you draw a line between them and then you stay, keep the camera on the same side of that line. Yeah. And so it's very like, because the, the images almost look the same. You have a hallway and you have two people walking in the middle of the frame. Yeah. But sometimes it's the back of them. Sometimes it's the front of them. And then sometimes the one guy's looking left to talk to his buddy. Sometimes he's looking right on the screen to talk to his buddy. And it, it's it was very... Not something you see in a movie with better production values. Yeah, not a sign of a smooth production. <laughs> not a sign of a smooth production. <laughs> it's like the kind of thing where I'm like, maybe this is part of the reshoots and stuff that Ty West was bitching about. Like, maybe he shot this he covered it one way and then like some second director came in that the producers hired to reshoot Maybe. the same scene and they shot another way and then edited the two together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And the, the video quality is really bad on this too. And I'm not sure if that's just like the quality of the copy Netflix has, or that's just how it was shot, but it looks like shit. Yeah. It doesn't look great. So early in the movie, you kind of follow these kids through kind of a normal school day and meet some quote unquote characters along the way. Mm-hmm. And, Again, we kind of gave the first Cabin Fever a lot of credit and read an STD metaphor into it that wasn't really there. Mm. I'm going to do the same thing in this movie because I noticed early on that most of the characters had a like a physical thing about them that was like embarrassing or people were talking about or was obvious. Like they all have a physical defect of some sort. And I was wondering if the movie's trying to comments on kind of people's body image in high school i can only think of two what are you thinking of i'm thinking of the pregnant classmate who's like hiding a pregnancy yeah yeah. there's a girl who has acne or something who's briefly shown putting makeup on carefully like kind of disguise Uh. it there's a teacher with a cleft lip there's a girl that you mentioned with cold sores on her lip yeah which turns out to just be a symptom of the um I think that's just supposed to be a know. symptom of the cabin it's fever. It's very ambiguous shit. whether yeah. or not she has the cabin fever or not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, everyone drinks the punch because, yeah, they basically the punch is made with the water at the prom. That's yeah. how everyone gets it. Yeah. Um, so everyone either drinks the punch or they get a bottle from a, you know. I was really puzzled about that teacher with the cleft lip because I, I, I was having a really hard time figuring out why that was even a thing. And to me, it felt a lot like the point was just to laugh at the teacher with the cleft lip. Like she was shot just to look sort of like she was directed to make very over the top faces. And it was shot as if, ha ha, the teacher has a cleft lip. And that was period end of the sentence. That was the point of that trait on that character. Again, I can see why you said that. I can understand why you said that. It didn't hit me that way. I I might be giving it too much credit with this whole body image thing. Um, No. And I mean, your, your interpretation certainly owns it lends up a possible new, I mean, there's uh, also a fat girl, obviously, you know, uh, which 
Ugh. We could talk about that later. <laughs> God. But I, you know, I didn't read the, that teacher as just let's laugh at her cleft lip. I thought she was a hilarious character just of how she acted. I mean, she was a good actress, yeah. And, I mean, she's she's playing a, a caricature of a stern teacher, and yeah. it was it was funny and, and, and semi-relatable. And then there's a part, I think, where she's, like, hitting a kid or something. I don't know. But but it's funny. It's just all goofball. It's like a sketch comedy. Like, oh, here's some kids in biology class, and there's a stern teacher, and here's a little, like, five-minute vignette about that, and then we're going to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe you laugh, maybe you didn't. We're going to gross you the fuck out in every scene of this movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to explode a frog and then have a girl like accidentally put the frog juice in her mouth. Yeah. And what does the frog juice look like? I mean, it's you more know jizz what? slash pus. It's a Rorschach Continuing plot, Continuing the theme. It's a Rorschach plot. To me, it looks like, like Dunkin' Donuts custard. Okay. Well, no matter what, like that, it, it's that substance, whatever it is, recurs a lot in this movie. And a couple of times it is literal cum. Yeah. So. For sure. Just saying. There's no dunkin donuts custard scene in the in the movie no and i guess you could argue that it is pus at times but there's just like that color and substance shows up a i lot. mean it's a gross it's a gross substance uh and it's used in a lot of ways i don't really know what else to say about it <laughs> god i just felt like this movie was fucking laughing at so many people whether it's the cleft lip teacher or at some point we find out the principal is gay and that's supposed to be kind of a joke too. yeah that didn't really yeah, they played a little fast and loose with that. They didn't dwell on it in a way that, like, I thought was really inappropriate, but they kind of, no. I'm like, eh. But, I mean, it was it's still, I mean, the only time that we find out, the only time that's brought up, and it's not brought up verbally, but there's a montage where everybody's getting ready for prom, and we cut to the principal with, like, his big, like, kind of bare, like, daddy-looking husband or partner getting ready for prom, you know, again, it was like the thing with the teacher with the cleft lip. It just felt like a very one-dimensional punchline. And the entirety of the punchline was, huh, the principal's gay. Yeah, I agree. You I know? Agree. Just, ugh. It's so, god damn it. <laughs> this movie really <laughs> bothered me. What bothered you about the movie? Was it just that you were alienated from it because you thought it was socially and morally reprehensible early on? Yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) and this has become a meme on the cast, but I I mean, there's that thing where you talk about like feeling like the director is a sociopath. And I felt like I was interfacing with a bunch of juvenile filmmakers who made a film whose main point was to mock basically anyone they could uh especially people of un you know convention unconventional body types or unconventional lifestyles and uh yeah and also just to go for the gross out stuff and i like gross out stuff you know i'm i'm totally down for an exploding head or whatever the fuck there was some stuff in this movie that actually kind of impressed me i already mentioned the dick like ejaculating blood that's not something i've seen in a movie before and i was like okay props to them for showing that gross out shit you know i like movies that go there but then when you have it when you have that combined as sort of the only substance or for me really kind of the only redeeming factor in a movie that's otherwise just devoted to like awful caricatures of awful people for characters i just felt like i was watching kind of a soulless product and it made me feel like shit yeah i don't disagree with most of what she said <laughs> i just didn't read it that but way you laughed. i i laughed i didn't feel like i was interfacing with a psychopath this time yeah and i don't know why that is and 
I'm wondering if I would have felt differently if I had not known Ty West was involved with the movie. Mm. Uh, you know, if mm-hmm. it were someone that I'm predisposed to dislike, like Eli Roth, and mm-hmm. I saw this movie, how would I read it? Would I read it differently? Mm. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Good thought experiment if yeah. Eli Roth had directed it. I, I actually wonder if Eli Roth could have made this movie any more obnoxious. I think this is this is next level shit. Like Eli Roth is obnoxious, but to me this is next level shit. I don't think you, Eli could have even gotten this obnoxious. Well, my main complaint with the first Cabin Fever is that it was dumb. Not that yeah. it was gross or not that it was inappropriate, but it was dumb. Or mm-hmm. not, not not that it was offensive, but it was dumb. This movie I don't I think is only it knows how dumb it is. Whereas, like you said, Eli thought he was hot shit, mm-hmm. but making a dumb movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm, I, I, I feel like the filmmakers knew exactly what they were doing. Although apparently Ty West didn't because he wanted his name on it. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like they knew exactly what they were doing. They just didn't realize how like fucking reprehensible it, it was. I mean, actually, this is a great comparison. It's sort of like the N-word joke at the end of the first Cabin Fever. It's like obviously Eli knew exactly what he was doing with that shit. I don't, I mean, but obviously he was completely ignorant of just how fucking tone deaf and misguided and shitty that was. You know, I feel like it's the same thing with this movie. I, I, my thing with the gross out shit too, is that often, you know, like I said, I love gross out stuff, but often the gross out moments are used as a way to further drive home the mockery of women or fat people or whatever you know i mean let's talk about the the fat girl who we brought up a moment ago because why not right yeah why not there's a fat character who god we don't really know anything about her she's the other than that she's fat she's the archetype you know she's the she's the stereotype or i don't know if she's a stereotype or an archetype or both of a uh the lonely fat girl in high school yeah and she's she's making the punch and as i said the punch bowl at the prom has been spiked with the contaminated water and she takes a little sip and that's that's what we know about her backstory yeah and and then like some sort of hunky dude shows up as she who's also you had never seen before yeah i you know i was just about to ask you if i missed something there because i didn't remember seeing him before that i don't think we've seen him before but he shows up and it's like he presents himself as like a cool kid, like mm-hmm. the cool, one of the popular guys in school, even though we've never seen him before. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, when you have superficial characters and you don't give a fuck, you can do that kind of stuff. It's like, like, like a, well, like, yeah. a, like a comedy sketch anywhere else, you know, like her. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so he seduces her basically starts hitting on her or whatever. And she, in a like very sweet and innocent way, is very overcome by him and very flattered that he's taken a liking to her. And he takes her to the school pool. They get naked. They get in. They start fucking. And then her skin starts disintegrating from the cabin fever. Her teeth start falling out, I think, right? Yeah. It, it basically, it comes out the only reason he fucked her was because he made a bet with his friends. Yeah, he says, I bet my friends you'd be you'd an, an easy, easy fuck. fuck. I didn't right. know that you were fucked up or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, the, again, you know, it's a gross moment. Teeth falling out, body decaying in the pool as they're having sex. But, you know, it's all basically in service of the joke that she's fat and nobody would want to fuck her. But that's like, that's a thing. That's, that's a trope. The jock going up to the ugly unpopular and or fat girl and and hitting on her because you know and he's got ulterior motives that's a trope in movies and so 
I guess I wasn't offended. I didn't think it was like an original invention of this guy to be cruel to this character. It was just like, here's a story you've seen before, and we're just going to put a whole bunch of blood and gross shit into it. I, I, I guess. I mean, another example for me is the fucking cold sore blowjob. You know, like there's what's his name? We determined Alex. John. No, Alex. Alex. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Alex. What happens with this girl, her boyfriend? Uh, Alex comes across a girl who's, again, kind of, you know, someone we've never seen before, but kind of presents as the stereotype of, like, a, you know, pretty cheerleader girl. type girl. Yeah. And she's alone, crying in the classroom. Alex comes up, says, hey, what's wrong? She was just dumped by her boyfriend. And I'm not really sure what else is said. Um, Almost immediately, she takes him into the men's room and starts giving him a blowjob in the bathroom stall right so there's gratuitous close-ups of these these cold sores that she has he he said and he says some really douchey like stereotypical alpha male shit to her because he's like this super apparently confident well i don't know if he's confident but he believes in kind of like the pickup philosophy yeah he's a pickup (laughs) artist basically or he thinks he is yeah and so she almost immediately takes him into the bathroom, gives him a blowjob, and there's like a close-up of this huge cold sore on her lip and the braces on her teeth before she starts going down on him. Um, Again, that, that now that's something that's like, do I condone that joke? No, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> the Like the cold sore in particular, or... Just the the sight gag of seeing the cold sore and the braces and mm-hmm. the, the just the way it was done. I don't know. Like... Was it smart? No. Was it inoffensive? Absolutely not. Yeah. But I don't know. I kind of was like, this movie's just trying to push buttons, and it's pushing buttons. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's pushing buttons. All right. I mean, he, you know, she finishes him off, and then goes to the sink. More cum. I mean, she spits out like a fucking gallon gallon of cum. Another in the sink. thing. Another thing that's just ridiculous, and and it's pushing buttons and it's it's funny because of how ridiculous and over the top and lewd and gross it is yeah and i guess this is i guess this is the difference for me i I, maybe i can articulate why it feels different to me than like the n-word joke in cabin fever because the n-word joke in cabin fever was deliberately pushing buttons but i think it thought it was being clever and I think this movie doesn't try to be too clever. It's just like, here's let's, we're pushing your buttons. Here's some really gross stuff. You're either with us or you're against us. Like that's not why I was. Uh, that's probably part of why I was offended by the N word joke. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's probably not as self convinced of its cleverness. I, th- I think this movie does think it's clever. It's probably not as self convinced of its cleverness as Eli Roth is. But I mean, uh, th- let me finish with this scene. Though, yeah, because so to then, speak. Because then she ends up saying. Uh, you know, I didn't blow you because I liked you. I only blew you because what's what's her motivation? Revenge. Revenge against her ex. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the whole point of the scene is basically, again, as I was talking about before, reinforcing these boys' perspective that girls are a easy and b as an entire gender like super shitty people. And so again, this gross out stuff with the cold sore and the common whatever, which I guess might have been novel i suppose in a different con a different context just turns out to be like kind of the salt and pepper on this like big fucking serving of shitty misogyny i i don't know it just made me feel really like squirmy and uncomfortable and not in like a wow that's gross kind of way but like the the basic moral content of the scene was just like ew that grossed me out more than seeing a fucking cold sore on a girl's lip before she goes down on a dude but again i can 
I'm as guilty as any of us of, you know, calling these movies out when I think that they're being too politically incorrect for me or they're sending the wrong messages about women or minorities or, or what have you. This movie, I I didn't think that the filmmakers were really subscribing to anything that they presented in this movie. They're trying to tread that hard. They're trying to just do, be as, as gross and, and nothing has any value. It's it, So I can't really place a value on the... like. All right, so here's an example. Let me tell you what I thought. What the jo- the jokes that I thought, or the depictions that made me uncomfortable in this movie, were that there's I think three black characters with speaking roles, and one of them is a janitor who, for no apparent oh, reason, God. like just pees in the punch, yeah. and like he's like peeing blood into the punch, and he's he's kind of a gross and arguably racist caricature of this like black janitor who hates the kids and who is just a disgusting human being at least he doesn't piss cum slash pus and then there's another black character who is a woman in a diner when someone has an outbreak of the cabin fever Mm. and she like starts laying hands on him and like speaking tongues and kind of a stereotypical (laughs) you know like southern black church going lady way yeah and those jokes bothered me because I didn't think that the filmmakers were aware of the offensiveness of what they were doing. I mm. thought it was just kind of a inadvertently racist thing. And I thought that was troublesome. Uh. Everything else was just so intentionally and deliberately repulsive and offensive that I was like, okay, this is the kind of movie they're trying to give me. I mean, I, I'm I not feel like take it seriously. I feel like at least with the janitor, they were aware I don't know, just when you say that it doesn't subscribe to the character's perspectives or point of view, though, so then you have to refute that somehow in your narrative as well. If you don't subscribe to these abhorrent views that your characters are espousing, you have to push back against that This movie doesn't care. This movie's barely a movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? It just is not concerned with this level of, of subtext or anything. It's like, here's something gross... We're going to take every character is going to be a caricature or a stereotype or an archetype. Every scene is going to be a playoff of something you've seen before. We're going to throw it all together. We're going to add gallons of blood and pus. And but so then, I mean, but so then, how is any of that defensible? Particularly the caricatures that are the characters and the caricatured views that they espouse as far as their worldview. If your brain's turned on, it's not defensible. If you can turn your brain off and just kind of let it come to you, so to speak, I don't know. I laughed. I, maybe yeah. I'm a bad person. Maybe. Maybe we're finding out. Maybe I'm interfacing with a psychopath <laughs> right now. <laughs> maybe I'm just a psychopath. <laughs> Damn. Wow, we've done some important work here today, Chris. Maybe I'm the psychopath. We're going to have you committed right the after The real this psychopath was me the whole time. <laughs> I'm trying to, I know I've seen stuff like this. I'm trying to figure out what I can compare this movie to for the sake of our listeners. You know, I, I guess like, because I was, I was also sort of thinking of something along those lines. You know, like South Park maybe comes to mind to a degree. Sometimes, yeah. But South Park is pretty aware of what it's fucking doing, you know? And well, this movie's it aware of what it's doing too. Uh, South Park is smarter and, and it, it there, you can pull more redeeming qualities out of South Park. Yeah. And this movie is not that, but it kind of reminded me of like Borat or not Borat, but uh, Bruno. 
or something mm. and kind of like going too far into things. And I mean, there was like the dick shot or whatever in Bruno that turned a lot of people off. And this is actually the perfect comparison because Sasha Baron Cohen often walks the same line between actually having something to say through gross out humor and caricatured characters and just doing caricatures because he thinks he's fucking funny. You know, I just watched his whole new show. And the whole thing is that, you know, there are certain scenes where he uses those caricatures to make a really astute political point. But then there's probably a good two thirds to three quarters of that. And probably a good at least half of his entire career of doing those characters where the point is just, you know, he's playing a caricature and you are to laugh at the caricature and also the fact that Sasha Baron Cohen is willing to, you know, take his dick out or do whatever gross out thing, you know? Right. And this is, to me, this is like the entire half of Sasha Baron Cohen's career where, you know, there's not a, not a political context, not a political point being made. No, I agree. There's not. It's like a, it's like the jackass of horror filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here's just a bunch of gross shit. And yeah, but even Jackass isn't like is more good spirited than this. It's more no, good nature. No, it's not. Actually, I shouldn't. Yeah, even you say should it, watch I haven't really Jackass. watched Jackass. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Is the point of Jackass like just making fun of women and treating women as being like Often, fucking awful? People? I didn't think that was the point. That was just uh, the. I think you're just taking. I don't want to be the guy who says you're taking this too seriously because God knows I watch horrible shitty horror movies and I pull out all kinds of things that offend me about them politically. And I don't think you're wrong to be coming at this movie from that direction, but I think you're taking it too seriously. I mean, let's look at the main two female characters. And this is actually a perfect segue to something I wanted to talk about is when John finally like kind of confesses his crush to Cassie and says to her, another great use of the term retard or retarded, which was a very popular term in the first cabin fever, uh, says something along the lines of, uh, you'd have to be retarded and not think I'm into you or something along those lines. Um, And it's just this entitled ass whiny speech about how he's admired her from afar and like, why doesn't she give him any attention? And it's just, God, it's so gross. Well, it's coming on the heels of a confrontation with her ex-boyfriend who's a total asshole and yeah, but a total- at that time he's under the impression maybe mistakenly that she's like back with him and kind of like bringing him around in front of him and, and- yeah I, I, and again another uh portrayal just another shitty portrayal of god just written by somebody who sees women as existing solely to piss him off basically I don't know. I mean that, and then she responds to that in the end. She responds to his speech, and they end up making out. And he says something like, "Oh, I didn't mean that before." And she's like, "Yeah, you did." Like she was into it, you know. I don't think she said like she was into it. Yeah, she did. I don't know. I I, maybe this whole movie is a Rorschach blot. And then the other main female character—that's something we'll get into the spoiler room, but. Her ultimate fate is fucking disgusting, too. Of course. Everything in this movie is disgusting. Not in a gross-out way, Everything's though. Everything's disgusting. Like, in a morally reprehensible, just, like, the way you're looking at the fucking world as women either being, like, you know, literal strippers, literal whores, or as a dummy who, like, doesn't see the good guy right in front of her, but she does when he calls her a retard for not having noticed him. Oh, God. <laughs> It, this pissed me off, man. This pissed me off more than pretty much any movie we've seen oh, so far. Wow. I think I can't think of any that has just like fucking. 
pissed me off. Well, I'm glad it got that kind of response out of you, I guess. Uh, it got a response, yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe... It gave me a fever. <laughs> maybe I maybe I shouldn't have enjoyed this movie uh, if I'm a responsible adult person. Maybe. I mean, we have now diagnosed you as a psychopath. Yeah. So. Well, damn. All right. Well, I guess, I guess that we can go to the spoiler room. I guess let's we can... diagnose the movie. Uh, who wants to, Who wants to go first on, uh, on our rating here? <laughs> Yours isn't I much of a mystery. You yeah, can go I won't first. keep you in suspense here. I mean, it's a pretty pretty hard screw it for me, and I'm not going to add any more context because I feel like the last 45 minutes or however long we've been talking pretty much is the is the backstory on that one. What's your rating? I mean, this is. A, I, I guess I should add. I would, this is my hardest screw it, I think. I, I guess I should go back and look at the list. Maybe I'll do that on our way down to the spoiler room, but I don't think I've hated anything we've it's watched just more than this. Do, I don't it, think there's anything I would want to discourage listeners from actually going and wasting their time on than this movie. That's my rating. What is wow. yours? <laughs> you're you're going to be really pissed off because I think I'm going to give it a view it. A view it? I think I'm going to give it a view it, but this is a conditional view it. Wow. Obviously, like I, I accept your experience with this movie and I don't think you're wrong. I just think that there's several ways of taking this movie in. And for whatever reason, when I watched this movie, I was in the right frame of mind where I was just like laughing and taking everything in and... Not not condoning it, but <laughs> well, I, I, the movie I didn't think was condoning it either. The movie was just deliberately trying to be outrageous, and I was like, okay, okay, all right. I was just on board with it. I can't explain why, but this is uh, as far as like gross out comedies go. This may be the one of the funnier ones I have seen to me. I, so I mean, and we've already gotten into like whether it's condoning it or not, and I feel like like I said, like you have to explicitly refute this stuff if you're not condoning it. Um, you know, I, I guess The Wolf of Wall Street kind of comes to mind for me because so many people mistook that movie for condoning the behavior of the character, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear if you're watching intelligently that Scorsese and um what what's his name, the screenwriter are not doing that. But that's a know? movie that's an, well, that's an interesting comparison because that's another movie that has two completely different interpretations uh depending on what you bring into the movie. You know, uh, with yeah, you. but I feel like Like it kinda shows you stuff and it leaves it up to you to decide whether you're gonna be offended by it or think it's cool. Okay, but I I think this movie has like a fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I think there's kind of only one common interpretation of Kevin Fever to Spring Fever. I don't know. I, I'd be totally interested to see more uh, opinions on. It. I was actually looking it up on Twitter last night to see if there was any buzz about it, but I guess someone uh, has a album out called Cabin Fever 2 so oh. that's all you see if you search for Cabin Fever 2. Fucking Cabin Fever 2, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, so I'll, I'll ask you one more question before we go down to the spoiler room. So, okay, you can you, you say this is all in service of a, a gross out, gory, over the top thing, whatever. So, but why does it have to rely on these really kind of vicious stereotypes to do that? Why can't it do that with characters who have some sort of redeeming value, either like intrinsically in terms of like a character you actually like or in terms of like what they actually represent why couldn't we do this without stereotyping and making fun of women or fat people or gay people or uh, people with a cleft lip uh we could have so it's it's a it's a movie that just was not concerned with any of that i don't think 
Right, which I feel like is its number one sin. Yeah, so it's kind of like... Like, that's morally reprehensible. It's kind of like these days, if you talk to someone, they're like, oh, you know, I am just I just don't care about politics. I'm just not interested in politics. Which is morally I'm like, reprehensible. you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I, I totally understand that interpretation. To do that deliberately is one thing. I guess we could argue about whether it does it deliberately or not. We haven't really arrived at a conclusion on that. To do it deliberately is one thing, but to do it casually and not even like really realize it's doing it if that's your argument that makes me hate it even well more. no it realizes that it's being you know offensive offensive but i don't know it's a it's a it's a really hard thing to say i don't know mm. all right it's all part of the point but it does it's not intended to i don't know maybe i'm just too privileged for this damn movie how so maybe i'm just like yeah you know what I'm not fat, so I can turn my brain off and laugh uh, at something. Yeah. And there's, you know, without getting hung up on the fat character. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this will all bother me more upon a rewatch. Maybe. Where would it fall on your view? I mean, is it like a strong view? Oh, no. It's, weak it's, view a, it's, it? it's a very weak view. And it's, yeah. it's a very, it's a conditional view. It. Uh-huh. So, which I don't think I really explained that. If you've listened to this conversation and you think you might enjoy a movie that's just, chaos and blood and guts and nothing held sacred and you think you'd find it funny and watch this movie but you know what that reminds me of what my view it for avalanche sharks my justification right. for avalanche sharks yeah similar similarly which yeah. you know that wasn't the most progressive movie either <laughs> true <laughs> right so we could probably have a longer conversation we about could. why that didn't we'll do a mini sode it's a disgusting movie and if you think you can enjoy that watch it it's not a great horror movie. It's not the worst horror movie. It's not nearly... I, I wouldn't... I've seen so many worse movies on Netflix than this movie that just bored the fuck out of me. And I, I was not bored. I was laughing. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a worse movie on Netflix in general. I'd have to think about that. Be Afraid? Be Afraid is fucking Goodfellas compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my bladder is full. I gotta go piss some urine and blood into a punch bowl so shall we go down to the spoiler can't wait to drink it down the spoiler room all right go watch the movie or not send us a letter about how i'm an asshole or not (laughs) trice is yours we'll see you down the spoiler room in a minute Welcome back. We're back in the spoiler room. Drinking some punch. Drinking some punch. Ready to get the the disease, the fever, the cabin fever, the spring fever, if you will. Pissed all the blood out of me. All the blood's been pissed. So yeah, like, like we said, not a lot of plot in this movie. Not much to spoil, but I guess there are some developments that are noteworthy. The, the, the essential thing to understand, which we hinted at, but I don't know if we said it outright, is everyone at the school gets the disease from the punch and everyone basically just dies um at the school except for our three heroes who die a little bit slower than everybody else yeah as the this isn't it called the ccd instead of the cdc that's chasing them down oh. there's like a government force that shows it. i don't know what it's called i think it's called the ccd in the film um but it's interesting to see how much faster the disease works in this movie than in the previous cabin fever yeah because this movie doesn't give a fuck about suspense no it doesn't give a fuck about suspense that absolutely right you say that like it's a bad thing i didn't necessarily say it like it was a bad thing i just 
This movie doesn't give a fuck about anything. That's my main well problem with it. Actually, the thing, the reason I think I like this movie, at least compared to the first Cabin Fever, is because it excises all the shit that didn't work for me in the first Cabin Fever. You know, there's no suspense. There's no ideas. There's no horror. There's no. It's just like there's here's no a, horror. Here's a bunch of gore and silly shit. And I'm like, okay, good. I'd rather have that than have to like listen to the fucking edgy tale of the bowling alley serial killer. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. Like, what happens? I remember what happens to Cassie in the end. What happens to Alex? Well, Alex drank the punch, so he's fucked. He's got the disease. Yeah. And there's the classic shot where he opens his pants and he's, you know. Oh yeah. All oh, right. His, his his genitals are fully exposed mm-hmm. and pussy and disgusting. And he accredits, he thinks he's got an STD. He thinks that the, the cheerleader girl or whatever gave him an STD, but no, he's got the cabin fever and he dies pretty quickly after that. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, I said this already, but I mean, I guess props to them for showing a fucking dick because well, if you can give them, don't do that. Usually if you can give them props for showing a dick, you should give them props for all the other horrendous, outrageous stuff they did. Oh, showing a dick is horrendous and outrageous? It was done to be provocative. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. But, like, no one will show a dick for any purpose, let alone a dick coming. Or no, I guess you said it's uh, ejaculated. It was pus. just full of fluids and stuff. Who knows what it was doing? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you wanted to talk about the... So Alex is dead. You got the government cleanup goons clearing out the school, oh, yeah. which that's another thing that kind of bothered me because again, this movie was made a long time ago. But like having scenes of high school students like sheltering in place behind filing cabinets, listening to boots coming down the hall. Oh, that bothered you. That offended your sensibilities. Yeah, because that wasn't done to be outrageous, and that was that was something that just hit too close to home. Uh, given, you know, okay. that we've had. Yeah, I understand the distinction. Actually, all of that stuff. Yeah. They sacrificed the cleft lip teacher, basically. They hide in a classroom. Yeah. She's freaking out. They hide further back in the classroom so that the government guys just see yeah. her, and then they unceremoniously shoot her in the fucking face. Just ex- execution-style yeah. killings in schools. And, and I, maybe that's getting closer to why I didn't have a problem with this stuff, because it's like when you're presenting something to me as entertainment and it's it's recalling some stuff that I think is just really not funny... Then I'm like, oh, I'm offended. But if you're showing me some stuff that I'm offended by and you're like, this is offensive, then I'm like, okay, I see you. Yeah, but we've discussed that. The movie, the least, doesn't take a stand on whether it's offensive or not. It either revels in the offensiveness or is agnostic. Revels, I think this movie at times revels in offensiveness. Yeah. And maybe... Maybe my thing is that I can I can get to that level and I can say okay, you're committing you're committed to being offensive. I'm not going to be offended by it. Maybe I don't. Uh, know. I mean, clearly you did. I'm trying to psychoanalyze myself. Yeah, because yeah. I I don't like that I wasn't offended by this movie. <laughs> uh, There's so much self loathing right yeah. now. Yeah. But then really everything kind of goes off the rails. There's a there's a little action sequence with the uh, uh, Cassie's boyfriend who becomes a psychotic murderer even though he's doesn't seem to be affected by the thing he's just straight up killing people 
John gets infected and then Cassie cuts his arm off. Yeah, right. The, the effects used to <laughs> show that his arm had been cut off. Well, no, not to show that it's been cut off, but like afterwards when he's bandaged up, it's just clearly a bandage wrapped around his actual hand. Like there's no effort made to conceal the fact that it's just the actor still with his normal hand you know it's not yeah. like he bent it's not like they shot it at a certain angle or he bent his hand back in a certain shot it's just his hand wrapped in a bandage much like the first game favor it becomes very unclear how he got infected or you know i don't i forget now i feel like they do show us how he gets infected well i, I forget I, it, it drips I on tell. him from somebody yeah but i don't know if just dripping the movie plays fast and loose yeah, the biology the of this of, thing of, is a mechanism of disease. Yeah, so whatever. Um, I, I actually did like the scene and this is the closest I think the movie got to horror where Cassie finds the pregnant girl in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Who's like apparently delivered her baby. Yeah. And is just freaking out. Yeah. That was kind of disturbing in, in the right way for a horror movie, I thought. And I was expecting there to be a payoff with like a fucked up baby in the in the trash can and oh it, yeah it didn't pull yeah. the trigger on that one yeah but it was it was kind of intense and kind of a scary scene yeah unsettling yeah and then well finally john and cassie uh well they don't consummate their love but they express their love finally physically yeah. they make out and again more cum slash pus there's like this string of viscous fluid that's hanging between their lips <laughs> when they pull away which i guess it's is that gross. cabin fever shit? I don't know what it is. What is it's it? just there to be gross. Why? It's just there to be gross. That's uh, what this movie is. It's it's like a like that you would see that in a Tim and Eric sketch. I guess <laughs> this movie just doesn't establish the framework for that. To I don't me. know. I, I I thought it. I thought it did. Yeah, I, I thought that fit the grammar of everything else. I was like, yeah, why not? Sure, <laughs> why not? It's what gross, the fuck, man. Yeah, but they escape the school. Yeah, the school. And John then, gets really unceremoniously killed. Yeah, no, well, not even killed. John gets uh, unceremoniously jumped by the government cleanup goons. Oh, and yeah. I don't think we ever find out if he lives... I mean, we don't see him again, and I don't think they imply... I don't think you hear a gunshot or anything to imply that he's been killed. They just kind of get jumped, so he's you know maybe still out there for a sequel that they never made. Or actually, they did make a sequel. I don't know what yeah. that's like. Yeah, fortunately, it is not on Netflix, so we will yeah. never find out. It'll be a probably long, long week. I mean, you may want to follow up this experience, but I don't. And then, uh, you know, Cassie uh, escapes, and she actually gets a ride from Officer Winston and his buddy. Who that was something else I thought was funny, like dumb, dumb, dumb comedy. Officer Winston and some random guy he knows are trying to escape town in a bu- in a van, and they come to a. A police barricade and the guy's like oh pull the cops like oh we can't let anyone through and so the guy comes out and he tries to offer him a bribe he drops the money on the floor and then gives him like a, a wrestling move elbow <laughs> to knock him out <laughs> and i was like that's funny i mean it's dumb but it worked for me yeah so winston's trying to get the fuck out of town because he's freaked out by all the cabin fever shit but then he picks up cassie who's covered in blood off the side of the road yeah, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. This is not a movie where anything makes sense. This movie's just about... It's a waste of time. you dumb stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a waste of time. Like, why but... even waste my time on this whole subplot with Winston trying to get out of town if he's just going to pick up someone who quite clearly has been involved in all this cabin fever shit on his way out of town? And then we see her back as the 
van drives away and it's clearly like blistering she's got the i show. mean if you were invested in whether or not winston was going to make it out of town you, you played yourself you shrecked yourself like it doesn't this isn't a movie that cares about that it's like here's a scene with winston some fucked up funny stuff's gonna happen here's a scene with cassie some fucked up funny stuff's gonna happen now we're back to winston and and i'm just yeah, glad but i that mean she, like the, i understood how she got out of the circumstance even just hearing that description is infuriating like how is that defensible like exactly what you're describing is why i fucking hate this all right that's fair <laughs> take it or like leave i don't it. like your excuse your defense of it doesn't come off as a, a defense to me no it's just but they commi- like that just adds it's what they intended to do and i respect that they made the movie it seems they intended to make although ty west i guess didn't make the movie he thought he was making you're, so, so you're that's... saying that this basic one of the running subplots of the movie being that winston's trying to get the fuck out of town the fact that he picks up Cassie covered in blood on the way out of town is supposed to be funny? No, it's just there. That's not anything. But I'm Well, glad. that's just lazy. It's just, yeah, it's lazy. It's yeah. Absolutely it's lazy. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not the strong strongest point of the movie, but I was like, okay, Cassie made it out of town. Winston and Cassie and this guy are safe. That's cool. Good. I'm glad that I'm glad she got away. I'm glad Winston got away. I'm glad I found out what happened to all of them because uh, same can't be said for our main character. Well, then we get to what I hope we can agree is one of the most fucked up parts of the whole movie. I mean, we we don't agree on what fucked up is. That's the problem. <laughs> but it, it's a it's a I would describe it as a tacked on another unnecessary epilogue. I thought Mike yeah. Flanagan made this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are basically four endings to this movie, and oh, and we didn't even talk about the title sequence because there's a little bit of context to this. The title sequence to the movie is all animated and goes on way too long. And it makes sense, though. I mean, it's like the title sequence shows through animation. You know, basically, it shows you that there's something in the water and the water bottles and it's going to a school whatever but like in far too much detail it goes on forever long title sequences that are animated whatever that's fine but then we go back anything of it but then we go back to the cold sore girl who is in a strip club and a bunch of stereotypical characters we get introduced to a whole great new set of stereotypical characters patrons of the strip club and basically she's infecting them all there's like cabin fever rash on her tits which is supposed to be i guess another hilarious slash gross joke and she's infecting everybody at the strip club and then apparently because there wasn't budget enough to just show this with filmed material there's this animated series of epilogues where we show what happens to four of her patrons yeah after they get infected yeah which who cares about these patrons who gives a fuck we've never seen these people before no it was uh, the whole again, it's that's why I said it. the whole movie is like a series of s- comedy sketches strung together. Like you have this sketch about oh a diseased girl working in a strip club, and that's it. That's yeah. It's just there for its own sake. Yeah. And I didn't think that part was especially funny. I'm not sure there was anything in that that I thought was that made me laugh. Yeah. No, it was definitely in, in tone with the rest of the movie. Yeah. I mean, she's treated as a fucking oblivious moron and sex object sure which is also pretty fucking par for the course yep for sure and then that's the movie it ends with like an anime it ends with a cartoon yeah the end there's a post credit scene did you stick around for the post credits oh yeah oh and actually you know what that's one redeeming part of the whole movie not the post credit scene in particular but those two characters there's these two nerdy friends of 
Johns who show up in a single scene and are trying to convince him to watch a movie, I think, with him, yeah. right? Some dorky movie. It's not a dorky movie. It's like, um, it's, they, it's is it not, a real movie? It's, no, I don't think it's a real movie. It's not Cannibal Holocaust. But oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, something like Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. And it's kind of a commentary on the movie that you're watching when you're watching Cabin Fever 2 because they're like, oh, this happens and they show it and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I liked those, those two characters that showed up very briefly i liked them as a duo i thought they had nice comedic timing and that actually i think that may have been the one time i did genuinely laugh at the movie was those two sort of bantering back and forth because it felt i mean obviously again stereotypical characters a couple of stereotypical caricatured nerds but it felt um it felt loving it didn't feel vicious but yeah there's a post-credit scene what happens in the post-credit scene again it's like 10 seconds they're just sitting there and i think one of them says prom blows or something oh yeah they're watching and i can't tell what they're watching there's nothing clever about what they're watching they're just yeah. watching the movie yeah it's, it's i don't know why it's there it's, yeah it's strange it maybe it was like recycled material like they shot a whole scene around those characters and didn't use <laughs> yeah. it and then just pulled out a two-second clip of it yeah I should do some. Re- I should have done some research before the episode to find out if Ty West has ever gone into any detail about like the production of this thing or what the intention was or how it changed from script to final product. I would love to hear you debate his uh, debate him on on whether or not this movie is morally reprehensible. I mean, I assume since he didn't want his name associated with it that <laughs> he may agree with me. I don't think that's the reason why. Really. I don't think he wanted his name taken off as because he thought it was morally reprehensible. I mean, there's nothing that he's made since then that has this same sort of tone to it. I don't know. I, this I, doesn't, I heard I mean, the it's not sacrament like this was feels pretty in grotesque but, for him. Yeah. I mean, grotesque, fine. You know, like I said, gr- I can do grotesque all day. Like, give me grossed out, fine. Hmm. But, I don't know. I've, I've said this a zillion times. We've all been over it. Everybody's tuning out. What are we watching next? We're watching 10 fucking Halloween movies and reviewing them all in the same episode. Yep, I've watched five so far. I have actually completed the assignment because I'm about to go out of town for a couple weeks. Um, And it's it's been a journey. You've got a beautiful fifty percent of the journey left ahead of you. Well, yeah, we, we well, I'll save you my thoughts on Halloween until next time. Well, just general thoughts. How are you feeling about the the experience thus far? Five movies in. Generally, I think that Michael Myers is a horrible character to yeah. make a franchise out of, and I don't know why they did it. And I'm kind of pissed off about it. And, yeah, but I'm I'm getting through it. I, I'm finding things to like in each mm-hmm. of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing them down because I will forget them otherwise. That's true. I mean, I would. There's. I don't. Hmm. Actually, Halloween Resurrection is pretty fucking shitty, but there. I think there are probably things to like in pretty much every movie. Yeah. Also, the Rob Zombie movies suck. Yeah, we'll get into it next We'll time. get into it next time. We're all going to wear Michael Myers masks on the episode. Oh, though. great. I'm not going to know who anyone is, and we're probably not going to talk very much. It's going to be a short episode. <laughs> Perfect. But, yep, yeah, uh, so Steven will be back then at least, and uh, we're going to be watching those movies. It's going to be fantastic. And then after that, I don't know what the hell we're watching, but whatever. Yeah. whatever we're spending the next. Wheel of Death pretty soon. It's been a while. No, it'll be on the episode, episode after. Or two. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, join us uh, again in two weeks. Every Halloween movie on Blu-ray or every Halloween movie ever. Uh, it's the Halloween takeover of every horror movie on Netflix. None of them are on Netflix, so don't waste your time looking Mm-mm. for them. Um, Got to go find them on some other streaming service or buy the box set for like 20 bucks at Walmart like Steven did. Yeah. 
So uh, don't go to Walmart though. We don't endorse that. Until next time. Hey, the only thing more morally reprehensible than Cabin Fever 2 Spring Fever is if you listen to this show every week and you don't review us <laughs> on iTunes. True. Okay. So so don't be a don't be a uh, psychopath. <laughs> Go do that immediately. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll see you. That we'll see you next time for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris and I'm Patrick. See you later. Mm-hmm.